If you're visiting, we're glad that you're here with us to worship today. Last week we began a series uh, for our summer series. We're going to be preaching on this for about two months. And what we're doing is we're looking at the last uh, few verses in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at 10 verses, 10 through 20. Now, these verses come at the end of Ephesians. And, and Paul has just, just given us three or four, uh, three chapters on what Christian community looks like. If we've been entered into the kingdom of God by His grace, exactly what does it look like? And so he talks about how we've been translated into the kingdom of light. And then he gives us real practical application. He talks about how husbands should love their wives. And how wives should submit to their husbands as unto the Lord and to respect and honor their husbands. He tells you children that you are to honor your mother and father and submit to them. He tells us as fathers not to exasperate our children. And he tells servants to to serve their, uh, their masters as unto the Lord. And then we said it seems it would be appropriate that he would simply give the benediction. But he comes to our text and he says this, uh, Finally, one more important and vital thing is this, that you must be aware of as God's people. And that is this, there is a devil. And there are powers and principalities that want to destroy the community of Redeemer. As he destroys families and churches that lose sight of the gospel. And he wants to destroy you personally. Now before we come to our text, let me tell you this. As a pastor, as your pastor who tends to overemphasize the use of logic, and my strong belief, as long as you have good teaching, then you'll get it. That in my 20-something years as a pastor, and particularly here in Athens, Georgia, I have to concede that logic and good teaching is really not enough. It's just not enough. And some of you know that. There is the power of illogic and chaos that comes from evil. And our text tells us that that evil is personal and real. is the devil. And the reason some of you today... When you come to church, there's still a little bit of noise, maybe covenant children who have not made that profession of faith yet. It is because of the evil one who steals the seeds away. And so I want us to read our text today because we're going to learn about this evil one. It's found here in your text. I'm only going to read through verse 13, 10 through 13. This is the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. 
This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we confess to you today that we trust too much in what the eye sees, the eye of the flesh, and looking at a horizontal level. And therefore, often we remain confused. And even when we feel like we're beginning to put the pieces together, they get scattered. Lord, according to our text and according to the the whole tenor of Scripture, there is evil and there is the devil and there are powers and principalities that would rob us of understanding that all things come together in Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray for any who are here today who are deceived in their own minds, either through the slowness of heart, the hardness of heart, or just pure unbelief. Lord, that you would show them the love of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, that you would work in them to see the glories of the gospel. And Father, we who are believers confess to you that we're often deceived through the cares of this world and the love of this world, through our own ambitions and building our own kingdoms rather than yours. And so, Lord, we ask for the power of your Spirit today to help us understand your word And to submit to the risen Christ who makes all things new and all things clear. And we ask these things in his name and for his sake. Amen. I had a very recent uh, conversation with a young man. Very smart young man. Who is a very committed believer. And uh, we had a conversation over this topic of demons and devils. This person has a high view of the scriptures. They believe the Bible is authoritative. But they're in the process of learning what we call hermeneutics. And all hermeneutics is is how you interpret things. Everybody's doing it. Somebody said all of life is hermeneutics. You're just trying to interpret life. You're trying to interpret your wife or your husband. You're just trying to figure out what's going on. And so he believes the Bible is the inerrant word of God. He really does. But he's trying to figure out what is literal, what is metaphorical. Is there really a devil? Is there re- are there really demons? <clears throat> he said this, perhaps <clears throat> now that we know about depression or schizophrenia or mania or some other pathology, this is really what it's talking about here in the text. Rather than real demon possession, rather than real powers and principalities, rather than a real devil Now, let me say before I give you my answer to him, I do want to say this. That I strongly believe in mental illness. Maybe some of you who are here today are struggling with mental illness. I've had family members, uh, uh, brothers of mine, who've struggled in this area. I believe that because we live in in a fallen world, our brains don't function exactly right. Mine often doesn't function exactly right. And so God in His grace through Christian, uh, non-Christian men and women, Christian men and women, doctors and physicians, pharmacologists, I think have come up with uh, medications that truly help us in a fallen world. So I would suggest that maybe some of you would consider that. Now with that said, let me tell you my immediate response to what this young man was saying was in the context of being a modernist. 
growing up and being educated in a university where we taught last week about everything's a closed system. Right? There is no metaphysical, there's no spiritual realm because if you can't measure it, if you can't quantify it, we don't talk about it. But the fact of the matter is, the denial of the devil that's clearly taught in the Bible from Genesis chapter 3 all the way to Revelation and throughout the scriptures we see personal evil is to strike at the very liberating work of Christ and what he has done and the new creation that he brings to those who believe. In essence... What is done when we deny or make light of the devil or what our text calls the powers and principalities of the air is to reduce Christ's work is simply forgiveness of sins. Well, I'm forgiven of my sins. I believe in Jesus Christ. I'm forgiven of my sins. But there's no net effect gain in your life. There's no power in your life. Why? Because we've reduced Christianity. Well, now I believe I'm forgiven for my sin and uh, now let me carry on and do the best I can. And I believe in many ways that's deception. Because you see, Jesus Christ came to liberate us from Satan and from the bondage that he brings. Now one last thing before we come to our our points. I said in our text, the title of the sermon is The Devil's in the Details. You've ever heard that term? If you've ever had a business, uh, you run a business, you go, hey, listen, the devil's in the details. We need to get behind and see exactly what's going on because if we don't understand the details, then it could very well be that our business falls apart. Well, what our, I'd like to do is show that the devil's in the details of your life. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows your tendencies He knows whether it's pride or lust or greed or fear or doubt. He knows you better than you know yourself. Because wouldn't you agree with me that sometimes it's hard to even know yourself? And what in the world is wrong with me? So it's very important for us to know the details about him as he knows the details about you so that we might be prepared. And so here are the three things that I want us to consider today as we uh, continue this understanding of spiritual warfare that's going on probably in this room right now. And the first is this. There really is a, uh, a real enemy, okay? You have an enemy. Everybody here. Whether you're Christian or not. And secondly... <clears throat> I want us to see that we must acknowledge this enemy. We, must under, we need to acknowledge him. And if you don't do that, you're in, you're in deep trouble. You're already deceived. And we need to see the way that he operates. And then the last thing to see is we have to lift our eyes above the powers and principalities to the one who has given you the victory in Jesus Christ. But there's no victory if there's no power. And there's no power if you don't recognize that maybe the problem in your marriage is demonic. And you're missing each other not just because of your flesh, but because of your pride that the devil works on. So here's the first thing to see is this. Very clear in our text. There's a real enemy. 
you look at your bulletin there, read, look at verse 11. What does it say? It says this. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. You know, the more I study this, the more I've been reading about this, and we saw it in our text in Job, right? We'll come back to Job in a moment that, that there's a real devil and he's coming after Job. And Paul believed that. Paul understood his own deception in his legalism and hating Jesus Christ. He was deceived. He was under the power of Satan. And you sense this urgency that he has that we understand as believers, and if you're not a believer, the forces that are arrayed against you to believe this gospel, to transform your life, to transform your marriage. Somebody said that it is the fight that everybody coming into the world must wage. So if you're 10 years old or 12 years old or 15 years old and you're thinking about moving away from the church, let me tell you, you need to stand. And if you're in middle age and you're just beginning, you're a middle-aged dude like me. Well, I'm beyond middle-aged, frankly. I just look middle-aged. Um, And there's the beginning to question whether it's all true. And you're wanting to begin to move away. Let me tell you, you need to stand firm. There's much teaching through different religions. And even among secular writers, we see this theme in movies and books and novels. About the problem of evil. Everybody knows us out there. And if you're, if you're here today and you're an atheist, last week we talked about evil being intelligent. You cannot not say that evil is coming from antelope or watermelons. It doesn't come from the dirt. It doesn't evolve. It is real. It's personal. And it's opposed to you and it's opposed to God. But from the Bible, it's a very special book. You need to understand this. The Bible is the Word of God. God in His love and mercy has spoken to us. Matt, you said it well. I mean, we have the Apostles' Creed. What would we talk about if we didn't have the Scriptures? We'd all have an opinion about God. But the Bible is very clear that there's a devil. We see this in Genesis chapter 3. Do we not? I mean, God creates the heavens and the earth, and then He creates Adam and Eve, and they're naked and not ashamed, and there's unity and there's harmony. Boom, chapter 3. And who is there? The devil. And the devil schemes because he's smart. Smarter than you. Because you see, he came to a woman who was not fallen yet. And where does he attack her? Right there. And what does he use? Reason. And what reason does he use to cause her to doubt? Is God really good? Has God really said the first statement of denial of the Word of God? And so what we have is not Adam and Eve becoming like gods in maybe the way you think you'll become like gods the less you have the oppression of Christianity or the triune God. They simply shifted their allegiance 
from a good and kind and gracious God who liberates us, who sets us free to Satan. And so if you are an unbeliever here this morning, you are not neutral. And you know that. And you know that there's a power in your life that you cannot unbind yourself from because there's real evil. And so throughout the rest of the Bible, what we have is this great, con- uh, this great war between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And we see the ultimate common, uh, culmination of that in Genesis, I mean in the book of Revelation, right? No demons, no devil. Now some of you might be saying this. Man, there are a lot of problems in the world. There's problems in my marriage. There's problems at home. There's, there, there's problems with, among Republicans and Democrats. They can't get along. There's all kinds of problems. Why are we talking about this? Devils and demons. Might I suggest to you, you're not in reality if you think that's not reality. This is the ultimate reality that they're powers and principalities of the air. Have you ever thought about the fact that you seem like there are dictators that keep coming and being dictators? Take a dictator out. Bring a new guy in. He's going to be great. He's going to help us out. And guess what? We find out that maybe Satan is behind all the operations of government. We see this in 2 Samuel chapter 24 where David has done everything that God has called him to do. He's conquered from the Negev all the way up to the Euphrates, fulfilling the promise that God made to Abraham. And here he is at the end of his life and Satan appears before King David, the king of Israel, who is to represent a greater king, Jesus Christ. But unlike Jesus Christ, who is the most humble man who ever lived, Pride sets in and he asks to number the soldiers as though he had conquered. Joab warns him. He said, Though God were, so you were to multiply 100 times the men that you already have. Do not do this evil thing. And he did. And the end result of what he did because Satan tempted him was that 70,000 people died. Oh, it just happens? Have we not said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely? Is it not the truth? That maybe behind, it's not just human beings who are sinful, but behind them, even as Peter, Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. For all our education and our closed system and denying uh, spiritual uh, metaphysics or whatever term you want to you use, do you know that it is, and a lot has been done in, in, the, in killing in the name of religion, right? In the name of Jesus. Well, I'll have to admit that. But do you understand that millions upon millions more people have been killed in the last hundred years because of this idea that there is nothing out there? And behind it, I believe that Satan laughs. Can we deny that 
Nazi Germany. Behind these forces were real forces of evil. Can we deny that? But do you know that in 1938, the most literate country in the world was Germany? And Goebbels turned to Hitler in 1939 and said, My, my, what a stroke of luck that people no longer think. Now let me be practical here for just a moment. Would you consider this a situation at your home? That sometimes the reason you act like Hitler and uh, you're cruel and mean to your children, screaming at them, or you fathers are not spending time with your sons and daughters and exasperating them. Or when you come in the door, uh, husband and wife, and you're getting ready to have a kiss and, and say hey to each other. But you know that look that you get sometimes? It's probably not the right, that you're not completely interpreted wrong. Hermeneutics, okay? And rather than being love and joy and peace, all of a sudden, Satan has worked and turned you against each other because of that look. Maybe this is the problem in your marriage. Maybe this is the problem in your relationships that have fallen into sexual immorality if you're not married. Do you, do you understand that you, you young men and women, that pornography and all these things are satanic? Have you ever thought about that? It's not just the lust of the flesh. Of course, that's there. That's the purient nature. But there's something behind there sucking you in. Like a meat cleaver coming out of that computer, sucking you in. There's real evil. There's the devil. Our Lord Jesus believed in the devil. How do we know this? You remember the Lord Jesus, who everybody knows existed? He's the second Adam. The God-man to come and restore the situation. And soon as he enters into the ministry, God sends him as a greater than Moses out into the wilderness, doesn't he? Not 40 years, but 40 days and 40 nights without food. For us. And who is there? The devil. Does it right? In the wilderness. Three times tempting him to deny the goodness of God and to deny the word of God. But Jesus said, my will is to do the Father. Uh, my will is his will. And he conquers. And Satan comes back later, right? Throughout his ministry, you see Satan coming. And then we see Jesus there in a garden. Not the Garden of Eden, but the Garden of Gethsemane. As the second Adam to substitute for all who are here who would put their faith and trust in Christ to take them from the bondage of Satan and there is Satan in the garden. And Jesus is begging in his humanity, Father, let this cup pass from me. But he submits to the Father. He says, not my will, your will be done, unlike the first Adam in the garden. 
This all ties together, friends. You think that this book was written over these thousands of years and they just kind of throw it together? Well, that's the first point. Second point is this, that we need to acknowledge this enemy. You just need to acknowledge him and understand how he works. Paul tells you why you need to put on the whole armor of God. He says that in verse 11. Then in verse 12 he says this, Because you do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You know what Paul's saying there? He said, of course you're dealing with the flesh. Right? Y'all deal with your flesh. You know, you become a Christian, and some of you are fairly new Christians, you start to realize, wow, I still have a problem with my flesh. Right? Your lust, your greed, your self-aggrandizement, your, I don't really care about anything, your indifference, your joke-telling, your flippancy. I, I could go on. Matter of fact, I saw a good friend of mine last night. I did the... Uh, Bowen Grace Franklin got married last night. Married him out in a beautiful field in Madison County. But I saw uh, uh, Jonathan. Did I say Bo Franklin? That's his brother. He also went here. Jonathan Franklin. I saw his grandfather. I hadn't seen his grandfather in a while, 20 years or so. And I said, hey, man, how are you doing? He said, I am the best I've ever been. And, of course, he was teasing. Because, you see, the older you get, the more you realize that your flesh is your flesh. Uh, today, June 10th, been married 34 years today, June 10th. And my wife would tell you that I've probably hadn't gotten a whole lot better. But I've gotten a, hopefully a little bit humbler. Because I'd say, honey, I'm sorry, would you forgive me? What is wrong with me? And thankfully, I'm married to a Christian woman who's, who's, who understands her own sins. She says, I forgive you. But you know, the Apostle Paul says, you know what? The flesh is strong. But you don't wrestle with flesh. And blood only. But with powers and principalities. Now let me tell you how he operates. I could give you a lot of things, but I want to give you three real quickly. Okay? As to how he affects your mind. He does it three ways. Number one, he brings a lot of doubts. Doesn't he? I don't really know if I really believe this. Should I really give my tithe? If I give my tithe, I, don't, I won't have enough money at the end of the month. You know what? If I really start being nice to my wife or my husband, if they're being mean to me, then they'll oppress me. They'll use me. And so you begin to doubt what God says about when revile, don't revile back, but forgive one another, right? Is that right? You know, you know what's irrelevant to a lot of us? is because, not your flesh, the devil is locking into your pride. Pilgrim's Progress, a great book. <clears throat> if you've never read it, you need to read it. He struggled with a lot of doubts. Matter of fact, he got off the straight and narrow path, the, the, not the yellow brick road, but straight and narrow path because the path got hard. It hurt his feet. And so he walked on the cool of the grass, and it was nice for a while until he got lost, and he got caught by the giant of despair. <laughs> and he was thrown into Doubting Castle. And then he couldn't get out. He was locked in. He couldn't get out. And every time he kind of got a little bit of strength, he and his buddy, the, the, the giant of despair, would come down with a 
incredulous and just beat him to death almost to the point of his life. And so finally the giant of despair said, hey, here's some poison. Just, you just might as well commit suicide and get over, get over with. You ever felt like that? You just want to die? And of course, you know what got him out of Dowling Castle was when he was ready to take that poison, go, I'm, I don't know, I don't, I, I'm just not going to make it to, the, to that eternal place. <clears throat> he remembered he had a key. And you know what the key was in his pocket? It was given to him by evangelists. It was the key of promise. God's promises. And he unlocks the door and he gets away. How many of you are caught today in doubt? Sometimes it's not just you. Do you understand the devil is planting those seeds and you need to be aware when it's him? Number two, they're fierce. Oh, man, is that a big issue today that people are scared to death? We've got a women's book study. We've got three of them. One of them is on fear. And I would encourage you, if you're a woman who's here and you're just, you're just freaking out and you're in fear, I would encourage you to go to that book study, be with other Christian sisters who are struggling with this, but understand this. Sometimes the fears you have are legitimate. Sometimes they're completely irrational, and those are the ones from Satan. By the way, have you noticed how many people have panic attacks now among college students? It's incredible how many people are beginning to panic. I believe the reason is because we're moving further and further away from the certainties of God's Word into creating your own realities. So there's doubt and there's fears. And then finally there's false teaching. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says this, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times there will be those who will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. And then, this is what he says about those teachings. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. And you go, wow, what are they teaching? Listen, they forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Isn't that a great passage? Man, so many people can't enjoy anything. Why? Because of false teaching. He said, what is the true teaching? The true teaching is in Jesus Christ all things are restored. Eat and drink to the glory of God. Do you know we live in a day and age you can't even teach anymore because people go, well, you know, you're saying this and I don't know about that. And you're being divisive because you're saying you believe in infant baptism and you don't believe in infant baptism. And we don't need to be talking about all that stuff. We need to be non-denominational. And again, if you're non-denominational, I love you. But you understand you're defining yourself by what you're not. But that's part of what we experience today, no longer being crystal clear about what we believe. So, last thing, and I'll come back to this next week. But how do you overcome this enemy? Don't you want to know? Because you have an enemy. Well, Paul tells us two things. Hit it on it last week, I'll hit it on it again. He begins in verse 10 and he says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now, what does that mean? Let me tell you what it means. Nobody in here has any righteousness. That song that was sung, that's one of my favorite. Oh, that's great. Good job, Anna. You know, it says, you know, if you hear the words that, that everything in me is filthy. 
Everybody, I don't care who you are. There's no such thing as good, filthy people. But the Bible teaches us that while we were yet sinners, that we needed a righteousness from God, and God sends a righteousness to you this morning through the person of Christ who has defeated Satan and all of his accusations on the cross, has raised him from the dead, and all of you who have put your faith and trust in Christ, you're united to all his righteousness. Hallelujah. My righteousness sits at the right hand of God. And if you're a believer, so does yours. And the only other thing we have in common is our sin. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. That, you know, this is a sign of whether you believe the first thing. He tells you that you're to do something. You know what you're supposed to do? You're to put on the whole armor of God. You should prepare for war. And I would tell you this, that some of you that are fearful... I would suggest maybe it's because you're in the battle. Some of you that aren't fearful, you're just worldly, you're just lost in all this worldly stuff. But I tell you, if you ever thought about going to battle, how fearful that would be. But when you start saying, I really want to serve Christ, I want to take up the whole armor of God, I'll tell you what, there are fiery dots, and he is coming after you. And therefore he says to you, put on the whole armor of God. Not part of it. You don't go out with a sword and no shield. You get shot down real quick. I don't care how well you know the Bible. You need to put on the whole armor of God, and that's what we're going to look at over the next six weeks is what that armor is. Dear brothers and sisters, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You have a loving Savior. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're not only blind, you're dead. Dead to these realities. And I pray that you would, in faith and repentance, turn to Christ and be saved. And I would say this to you. If if you have intellectual questions about this, please give me a call. And I'll buy your lunch. And I want to know exactly what it is you do believe about evil. But let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. We pray now as we come to the Lord's Supper that we would gather together as the community of believers praising Jesus Christ who has delivered us from our sin and the power of the devil. And we ask it in his name. Amen.